everybody. My name is Ruth Jennings and this is my podcast, Are You Over It Yet? I lost my husband Andrew to cancer when he was only 32 and there's been so much about grief that has been surprising and unexpected for me. So I started this podcast as a way of chatting to others about their story of their loved one and their grief journey and some of the twists and turns, highs and lows we experience when someone very close to us dies. So today's guest is particularly special for me. He is a retired environmental health officer and now he spends his time teaching kids how to play brass instruments and actually in June I think they all got distinctions, so very impressive. He conducts Cumber Silver Band, who recently played for royalty. He is a coffee shop connoisseur, having tried most cafes in the greater Belfast area. And he is a lovely grandfather to two beautiful grandsons, who just happen to be my sons. So I'm very, very excited to introduce my father-in-law, Wesley Thompson. Hello, Wesley. Hello, Ruth. Thank you for that introduction. (laughs) I read it to Linda, but I decided I'd save it just for you. (laughs) He wouldn't actually take a cup of coffee this morning, though, maybe because he is such a coffee connoisseur. And uh, yeah, I don't make a great cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you feeling relaxed? OK. Mm, yes, yeah. reasonably. Yeah, I think this is a bit of a strange one, actually, because um, I'm, I usually hear other people's story that I don't know anything about. Whereas, of course, I know quite a lot about this one. So um, but I'm really interested to hear your perspective on everything that happened with Andrew and continues like you know now so first of all I'm going to ask you what was Andrew like as a child Andrew uh, was always a very good child he was a good boy (laughs) you knew I would say that I didn't say otherwise he was always um, calm mannerly um, a bright child and uh, we we were very proud of him as a child just for his just the good, well-behaved, mannerly boy that he was. Linda used to say he was perfect. That's Linda is Wesley's wife, my mother-in-law. Would you have agreed with he that, Wesley? He was close on it. <laughs> he, he, more realistic. he must have inherited some imperfections from me. <laughs> and do you have any really good stories of him as a child you could think of? Uh, yes, there are, lo- there are lots of, of stories uh, of him as a child. Um and lots of sort of humorous things that happened. Um, as I say, he was always a good child, but we discovered in an early age that um, he he could copy bad behaviour from from <laughs> other sources. And as opposed to the one source that I have in my head was Sooty and Sweep. He loved Sooty and Sweep. And uh, but we discovered that he he sort of copied sweeps behavior from time <laughs> to time, which wasn't that good. So the city and sweep uh, tapes had to be taken away and, 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 and not used. Um, he he kept that interest in city and sweep. I remember. I remember <laughs> and, uh, still too many years. Uh, you know, on, on, a, on a visit one time to Bradford, of all places, we when he was, I think, around 22 or something like that. And we went to the, the television and film museum. And at one stage, there, there were like little booths where you could you could bring up programmes that you wanted to watch. And you could hear Andrew laughing because he was watching City and Sweep. <laughs> <laughs> so that maybe says a lot of, about him. He um, he kept, I suppose, a, an innocent sense of humour and and uh, I laugh. remember him showing me Sudie and Sweep. 
I'd never really watched it when we hadn't been going out that long. And he was sitting crying with laughter going, isn't that so funny? And I was like, I don't really get it, Andrew. <laughs> so maybe it's one of those things you had to start watching when you were a child. Yeah. 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 Uh, no, that's actually, that's really nice. And he was very clever, isn't that right? He was clever, yes. He, before he started school, in fact, before he started nursery school, he, he worked out a system. He would have studied the calendar and he worked out a system for saying what day of the week. Um, if you'd given him a date, if you said the 31st of October, he would say it's a Tuesday. And if you said, what about the 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 5th of July, he said that's a Wednesday or whatever it was. He's not making him sound very cool, Wesley. No, it, it, <laughs> no. Um, but it, it, it seemed cool at the time because we, we couldn't couldn't work out. I remember asking him how how he worked it out and he and he told me something which I never even checked out, you know, the July and July and January and and um October were the same mm -hmm. and a bit but you know it it did seem at the time um really a, a quite an astonishing thing. Yeah. Um a little bit narrow but it was <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, his other other thing was music, but he didn't play a brass instrument. Very disappointingly, he, to you. he didn't play a brass instrument, and um, he, although he could. Um, <laughs> well, that's true. He can kind of play everything. Isn't that isn't that um, well, annoying? What they say about about people who you know could, but in the interests of of uh, musical taste, they don't. And <laughs> um, he he wasn't musical as a as a small child, and and. Um, I often tell the story of his audition for the, the school choir and he didn't get into the school choir his uh, first year. And um, this was P, P4, P5, somewhere, somewhere around there. Um, but he was able to come home and play the piano part that the teacher had played for him to sing to. But um, so obviously he was focusing more on the piano at that stage. Well, that means he was musical, just not a very good singer. Yeah, yes. <laughs> it didn't seem to hold him back in life, though. No, it didn't. No. It didn't. And obviously he grew up and met me and we yeah. got married, etc. And how did you find it having a sort of a grown up son, you know, and, and what was he like as a grown up son? He was great as a as a grown up son. He he kept a lot of the um, his personality from childhood, but he did become much more outgoing. And um, <laughs> we give you some of the credit for for that, Thank Ruth, and um, maybe most of the credit for that. Um, and he became he became like a really good pal. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he he. Um, yeah, he, he maintained and developed his personality, developed good social skills, which for a, a shy child was um, was really good, good was good to see. Mm -hmm. So are you happy to tell me um, about Andrew's diagnosis? So this is kind of where uh, things don't don't go as well and about how that all came about. Obviously, I know this, but yeah. people listening don't. Yeah. He had had a few issues. He had he had issues with headaches from childhood. Um, he had when we were on holidays when he was eight. Um, he developed what was diagnosed at the time as a migraine. Um, and uh, I remember we were in Keswick in the Lake District and they took bad with this. And we, we were in a bit of a panic and... I, Somebody told us where there was a GP surgery round the corner, mm -hmm. and I remember carrying him and, and uh, running, running with him to the GP surgery, 
And um, so, so headaches and migraine was, was what it was. Um, he had those headaches on and off. Sometimes they were bad. Usually he got over them very quickly. Um, and there was never any suggestion that there was anything more sinister about this. When then, when he first started to feel other symptoms, I suppose some of it I wasn't aware of because some of the things he would have talked to you about or talked to his mum about, and um, he was, uh, I, I think he had sort of like feeling of dizziness at times and um, went to the GP about that and things were put down to stress. He had been working very hard because he did work very mm -hmm. hard. He worked long hours. He did, work very hard. he did. He did an awful lot of things. Um, and uh, then um, I suppose it came to a head on the Sunday when uh, at a service in church with the, the community choir um, on his way to church, he took this um, again, like a dizziness and uh, a sort of strange metallic taste in his mouth, I think, at that stage. And mm -hmm. um, he felt he felt a little bit unwell and had to lie down. And then the whole thing where um, during the service, um, he went out and sat in the, the vestry for a while. And um, I remember we, we sort of we sort of laughed at a thing that, that happened in a way that um, he said, if I don't come back out, you come in for me. And then when he was out, I remember sitting thinking, this is the wrong way around, really. I should be with him rather, you know, <laughs> yeah. wait until he doesn't come out. So something has worsened. But he he, he did come out. But um, at the end of the service, then it, um, there was an obvious need for him to get to hospital. And I don't know if you remember, Wesley, that at that service, another slightly funny thing was this was part of a community choir concert and they'd worked quite hard, as you said, for this community choir concert. And Andrew said, no, let them let them sing, let them sing because they've practiced and he'd conducted the choir. Yes. And he sort of sat out and was no longer playing the piano. But the last piece, I don't know if you remember this, had a key change. And you could see the panic on all of the faces of the choir and of Andrew. Are we going to do this key change if we don't have a piano to sort of help us? And he got up and he played the piano on his knees from lying down. He got up on his <laughs> knees and played the piano so that everyone knew where the key change was. I remember that very clearly, actually. Yeah. He was sort of determined, despite feeling so unwell, that he wasn't going to let the music be bad. Yes, yes. But anyway, sorry to yeah. interrupt you. So um, he was taken to hospital and we, we all uh, went up to the hospital. And then there was two friends who who drove drove him there and at a stage I felt I would I would leave the hospital because we didn't want a, a, a crowd of us there and um, you, you always I suppose have this feeling that oh, no, this will work out okay this, this yeah, I definitely um, felt that you know the, the, they'll, they'll sort this out and um, we went home and then later got a phone call from Linda saying that um, things weren't so good and went back up to the hospital and he was to be transferred to the Royal. And um, but while we were there waiting for him to be transferred, then he had the seizure. And um, so, uh, of course, realised then things things were pretty serious. And um, 
then it was on the Tuesday that we got the diagnosis and um, that was maybe the worst, maybe the worst day. I just say for people, I imagine many people do know, but it was um, uh, a glioblastoma. And I remember very clearly in that meeting, it was a bit of a strange meeting because we'd had to wait a really long time because mm. the consultant, I think his child was sick yes. or something and wasn't in. And we were all getting sort of more and more and more tense waiting for this. <clears throat> and they finally, they finally called, um, he called on the phone. And so we're all sitting in this room listening on a phone, like a mm. on loudspeaker. And I remember he said this condition, which I'd never heard of before, this glioblastoma. And my mom had come and had very cleverly thought to bring a notebook. Um, and she was going, sorry, just say that again. And I remember really clearly saying, oh, right. And how do you cure that then? <laughs> I remember very clearly mm. saying that and him saying, well, it doesn't doesn't really have a cure. Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and I think even, even on that day, and I suppose there were, there were telltale signs and you could see staff with glum faces, mm-hmm. uh, who, whose job it wasn't to, to tell, tell you anything, mm-hmm. but y- you did get a sense that mm-hmm. this isn't going to be good news. Mm-hmm. And of course it wasn't. And the lady <clears throat> that was the nurse, I don't know if you remember this. She, we'd been told it might have been an abscess, a brain abscess, mm. which by all accounts is really not a good thing to have, but in, in balance better to have than, than this type of brain tumour. And um, when this nurse arrived, she said she was a neuro-oncology nurse. I remember her saying that. And I said to her, and do you deal with abscesses too? She said, mm-hmm. just come into the room. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you don't really want to believe it, of course. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and... Here's a more positive bit. How do you think Andrew was during this time and, you know, the time that followed? Andrew was was remarkably upbeat mm-hmm. m- most of the time. And he, he obviously understood the gravity of the situation and he coped with it in a very positive way that mm-hmm. um, I'm sure there were times that I didn't see when when maybe he he was different but uh, he always he always kept a a brave face he kept a sense of humor mm-hmm. and even even to the day before he died when the doctor when he I suppose he was he was really out of it and the doctor uh, was examining him and said um could you open your mouth, Andrew? To which Andrew replied, the mannerly boy that he was, could you open your mouth, please, Andrew? <laughs> and um, that that came as, as as quite a surprise. But, you know, he he did maintain that that sense of humour and he laughed at things that people said and laughed at at, at some of the sort of awkward moments that that, that people had and and. Um, because there were many of those. You know. Do any one comes to my mind? Do any come to your mind that well, you want to tell? The the, the time and um, when he he developed quite an appetite and uh, with the steroids, yeah, yeah, with the steroids, and uh, at a time when uh, he was eating some buns, and uh, he said, "I shouldn't I, to this person, I shouldn't really be eating these." To which the reply came, oh, "Well, I wouldn't." 
I wouldn't worry about that as long as you're fit and healthy. Yeah. <laughs> Which Andrew turned to the other side to me as if this person wasn't there and said, fit and healthy? <laughs> That's <laughs> when he was really ill as well. <laughs> because obviously he was far from fit and healthy. Um, <laughs> but it is awkward for people. It's very, it's very mm. difficult for people to know what to say. There, there, are, there are no right things to say and... Mm-hmm. and I'm sure there are thousand and one wrong th- wrong things to say, yeah. and and um, and people very often avoid saying anything. Yeah. Do you think it's better to say something than nothing? Um. Y- probably. Um. But you know, I suppose nothing nothing is a safe is a safe option in some some cases rather than saying the wrong thing. Yeah. And I suppose uh, some people are are more skilled at that, maybe f- the different experience of life, mm-hmm. uh, or maybe they're just better thinkers. Mm-hmm. That's very kind of you, Wesley. I was always slightly judgmental towards people that said nothing, so <laughs> <laughs> you're much kinder than me. Um, and obviously Andrew had some time in the hospice. Um, how was the the point that he actually died and the immediate aftermath of that? Do you think you still had the shock that you had in December 2017, when he was first diagnosed, um, or how you know how did that sort of play out? Um, I think the diagnosis that period was the worst time. And mm-hmm. um, strangely enough, um, I would agree. Yeah, when when he passed away, it, there was a there was a peace. There was a there was a calm, mm-hmm. um, and I suppose for some of us, there was a numbness. Mm-hmm. Um, when you get a diagnosis like that, you wonder what lies ahead, and there's a lot of fear involved. There's fear, in that. yeah. There, there's fear of suffering. There's fear of how difficult it will be for the the person. Um, there's fear of how you will cope with that. How you how you will cope with um the sort of physical manifestation of of the illness Mm -hmm. and the fact that in the hospice he was looked after so well um, and his all his needs were taken care of um, the pain was kept under control Mm -hmm. he was um, generally in 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 very good form, we had good conversations with him, and mm-hmm. um, there was a there was a quality of life to those end days. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there was a numbness, which maybe that numbness is is a protection, mm-hmm. in a sense that um, that that for me carried me through that mm-hmm. that that period mm-hmm. it's funny because I remember the week after Andrew died it was about the only week that I didn't shed a single tear and I yes. remember meeting people who sort of cried at you and desperately thinking oh I wish I could just shed a single tear yes but exactly as you say you have this you're sort of holding things together not even on purpose but you do yeah. you, you just um, and you almost make other people feel better Yes, don't you? That, that's right. Um, people, people did get upset. Lots of people got got upset, and um, you sort of almost felt it was your role 
yeah. to comfort them in yeah. a sense. Yeah, and which is strange, then, but I totally agree. Yeah. And did you find, I think we were sort of lucky in a way because, you know, six months later, Andrew, if he died, we'd have been in the middle of lockdown, but we were able to have this huge big funeral for him. Mm. Did you find that sort of comforting in any way? You know, I don't know if that comforting is the right word, but you know what I mean? Sort yes. Of a helpful, helpful way forward. Yes, it was uh, it was wonderful in a sense, mm -hmm. the, the, the size of the funeral and the people who came from yeah. all arts and parts, various yeah. <laughs> various corners of the world yeah. to, to attend the funeral. And mm -hmm. um, the people who... Um, who obviously had a lot of respect and had a mm -hmm. lot of time for Andrew, who mm -hmm. came along to the funeral, mm -hmm. and um, and it 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 was a strange occasion because there were so many people there who I didn't get to see, didn't yeah. get to speak to, and in some cases, some time later that I discovered actually had been had been there. Mm -hmm. It. Um, I felt like Andrew would have really enjoyed it. Yes, which yes. sounds a bit strange. And of course, he would have enjoyed the music. The, the yeah. music was 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 so good. It was really good. Yeah, I was kind of weirdly grateful to have had that. And, yes. And now, in the sort of aftermath, I asked you a little bit about this before, but was there anything that anybody did that you thought was very helpful? Anything someone did for you or Linda that was just very helpful or a useful thing to do? either a, like a physical thing um, or a, some sort of emotional thing that you thought was helpful? Yeah. Um, I can't remember specifics and maybe mm -hmm. it is the, the, the sort of numbness that comes with that. There were lots of people did lots of things and mm -hmm. lots of people who came to see us and lots of people who, who brought us stuff and, mm -hmm. and, um, and people who were very thoughtful, people, people who in some cases didn't come at the time, but came to see us sometime later. Mm -hmm. And, but I, I, I've really nothing specific there yeah. that that um, comes to mind. Just got this, I suppose, an overwhelming feeling of support, mm -hmm. and and people can, to an extent, put themselves in that position. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I've spoken to people who, who haven't had a, a child who has died, but you sort of get the impression. They have a fair idea of what that must feel like. They kind of imagine, I guess, yeah. don't they? Yeah. yeah. And do you feel like people are still supportive now or is it a more, you know, is it kind of, oh, that was something of the past? People people are still supportive, but I think there is there is a fall off in, to an yeah. extent. And, um, and, and maybe that fall off is okay uh, because, you know, People can see you're getting on with life. Mm -hmm. We're not the only people to have to mm -hmm. have lost someone, mm -hmm. and um, you you realise from talking to other people and thinking about other people's stories, remembering people who who lost someone who, um, maybe ten years ago, twenty years ago, mm -hmm. and uh, so oh, yes, that happened to mm -hmm. them, I, 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 and and you realise that in some cases you you have almost forgotten that it had happened. Yeah, and of course it's it's. It's more real to them than yeah. it is to somebody at a distance. Do you think this, do you think before Andrew got sick and died, you would have been as good as you might be now at giving someone else support? No, I don't think it would have been. I think, and um, I think I have a, 
maybe a better understanding of what the person might be feeling. Mm-hmm. Everybody's different. Everybody yeah. and everybody's relationship is, mm-hmm. is is different. But um, I I sort of think I could probably uh, maybe face people more easily mm-hmm. and and therefore give them support of some kind by just by just being with them mm-hmm. and um, then. In the past, when you sort of felt, I wouldn't know what to do and mm-hmm. what to say, and and, and maybe that is a, an admission that you know somewhere has seeped into me that those those the kind things that people did, the helpful things that people did, and mm-hmm. um, that of of sort of maybe almost subconsciously gone in there, mm-hmm. and um, that I would would feel m- more able to. To sort of support mm-hmm. people in, in a, a similar situation. So obviously, Wesley, you love uh, your music, and we were saying, you know, Andrew's not uh, a brass player, but have you found music to be helpful in the grief process, or maybe maybe unhelpful at times? I can imagine, but yeah, I suppose there is a bit of both. Um, music has been has certainly been helpful. It's been helpful to. Um, to listen to maybe reflective music, it's been helpful to to almost escape yeah. from um, from grief, and um, and of course there there are always reminders of Andrew within the music, mm-hmm. and uh, it's and you know it was it was one of those things. He had such a great knowledge of yeah. musical theory, and. Um, he he had a lot of talent as a musician, and he would have he would have accompanied my pupils in exams. He would have done orals uh, with them, and he would have done arrangements and a few compositions for me. And he was always the person I would have gone to if I thought there's a funny chord here. What <laughs> is this? Is this right or wrong? Is this a misprint? Or, and and he would have he would have uh, sorted that out and explained. And um, what was wrong, or what was right, or how? Oh no, that should work. It's probably mm-hmm. an issue with the balance, and and um, you know. So I I miss him in many uh, sort of practical ways with yeah. with with music. But you know, music in a sense is is bigger and wider than that, and um, and and has been has been helpful. And um, not everybody would be the same, but uh, you know, I've I've found that that even even. Music that people might say is sad or emotional music, mm-hmm. it, it it still provides a a, a comfort of us in a sense. Yes. Um, and I was also just thinking about your, you're obviously sort of part of a a nuclear family. So there is there is Linda, your wife, and um, daughter Judith, who has now moved out, but would would have been with you for quite some time after Andrew died. How was it? watching other people very close to you grieve and probably grieve slightly differently to you as well and did you feel you could support them or did that ever cause any tension or anything um it was something where i felt with with linda and with judith they did need support and did need time and but also had to recognise that there were differences in things that maybe triggered a reaction from them mm-hmm. to what triggered a reaction from me, and um, and uh, you know realised early on that uh, certain hymns that 
um, worship songs that Linda sort of associated with Andrew, she could become very emotional on mm -hmm. hearing those. I actually discovered at the stage to you know, piano playing. Yeah. Um, I find that too. Of, of yeah. any music. Yeah. Um, would have got a reaction yeah. and um, I suppose I had found I had to be sensitive to that because you know I, I can be slightly blunt <laughs> sometimes that's true and, you, um, <laughs> you know I had to be careful sort of not to wade in and, and just because uh, I found something in a piece of music that Linda found the opposite in that, yes um, you know it, um, if she reacted you know that music would mm -hmm. have to go off. Yeah. Um, and what about Judith then? More, you know. Yes, it has been it has been dreadful for for Judith in in many ways. And um, Judith, as the younger sibling, always Andrew was always a hero to her. Yeah. And um, that has been a huge loss to to her, and. In a sense, she has been on her own, um, and uh, you know we've we've she, she's she's been on her own, but she spent a huge amount of time with us. Yeah, <laughs> and, um, yeah, and which is fine and mm -hmm. which is good. And um, whether it's staying with us, whether it's eating with us, whether it's going away for weekends or going on holidays with us. Sometimes an excuse just not to cook, though, don't you think? I yeah, say. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, I, I have that excuse. Yeah, well, I'd take time any and, excuse not to, and... to cook. <laughs> I've asked a couple of people this, and this is something that people have all given a different answer to. So I'm interested to hear what you say. Do you think losing Andrew helped you with further grief? So, for instance, you've lost your mum after yeah. that, um, Linda's mum since that, you know, anyone else that you've known, friend, family. Do you think that sort of helps or do you think that's a totally new thing and it sort of starts afresh each time? Um, I th I think in a sense it helps. It it, it certainly, my mum died uh, just what, two months, two months and a bit mm -hmm. after Andrew died. And um, that didn't affect me nearly as badly. And mm -hmm. um, had Andrew not died, I think that would have been different. Now, to some yeah. extent, I feel a sense, almost a sense of guilt, but uh, my mother, because I, I didn't mourn her death mm -hmm. to the same extent. Um, you know, she was. It, it was so different to Andrew's situation. She was elderly. Mm -hmm. She had poor health over a sustained period, and. Um, that was was never going to improve. Her quality of life was never going to improve. Yeah. And um, nevertheless, um, her her passing in in comparison to Andrew's passing, for me was was easy. Yeah. Um, and um, and that feels somehow wrong. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I loved her to bits. Mm -hmm. I miss her in many ways. But um, yeah, it's it's just not the same, mm -hmm. not the same. And do you think that having, obviously they're my sons, so I think they're great. Mm -hmm. But do you think having you know Andrew's two children still be here, one of whom one of whom looks very like him, but isn't very like him in personality, but the other the other which 
Joel, my eldest son, is just constantly reminds me of Andrew. He's he's very, very like him. Maybe not as well behaved. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say either of them are perfect, but um, uh, he's very like him. Do you think that's, do you think it's sort of helpful having them in a way or is it more sad because you're not, you, you can't see Andrew here to be their dad? Um, the, there are aspects of both. It is, yeah. it is great to have them. Yeah. I mean, everybody, everybody loves grandchildren. Grandchildren yeah. are, are, are very special to them. Um, and it, it, it's great to have them as, as a reminder of Andrew. It's great to see those, those traits. And mm -hmm. um, as you say, Joel, Joel is very like Andrew in many ways. He is louder than Andrew, <laughs> but um, that's, that's maybe not a bad thing. Um, and, and, <laughs> Uh, Freddie and, and Luke's, but it's it's amazing to to see grandchildren doing things that their father would have done. Yeah, and um, even though they didn't learn them uh, from him, and mm -hmm. um, that there's obviously the the genetic element. Yes, um, it is sad at times to uh, just sort of almost feel that you're doing some of the things with them that Andrew should have been doing with them, and. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, in the balance, it's it's just wonderful to have mm. to have those grandsons mm. and uh, that, and that is one of the things that uh, keeps us going. Mm. And I suppose while I have been quite emotional doing what I'm doing at the moment, this mm -hmm. is this, um, I suppose a lot of things I haven't talked about, and mm -hmm. um, haven't talked about to anyone, and. Um, but it is one of those things that uh, in picking up the pieces and moving forward mm -hmm. that you have to think, you know, why are why are we doing this? What, but um, grandchildren are a, a great sort of guide to the future yeah. and, you know, mm -hmm. and, and a great reason for being positive and and um, and, and looking to the, to the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I definitely find that too and find them so helpful to kind of, you have no choice really, but to keep going for them. Yeah. And also they, children are great because they're so much in the moment, you know, that they're, they're not thinking about, you know, that they were upset yesterday or a week ago yes. or even a year ago. Yes. And even when Joel would get upset about Andrew and he'd talk about him, he'd be sad. So 10 minutes later, he's like, you know, yeah. back to let's go yes. jump on the trampoline or yes. whatever it is. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Obviously, the title of my podcast is Are You Over It Yet? And I've asked everyone this as the last question. So last question, are you over it yet? Uh, no, I, I don't. I can't see that we'll, I will ever be over it. Um, I think about Andrew every day, many times. Most of those thoughts are thoughts about humorous things that he <laughs> did. Um, I miss him in, in many ways. Uh, practical ways I miss him as a as a mm -hmm. as a friend and um, I miss him as the person who would have been helping to select my old people's home when the time comes <laughs> oh Wesley <laughs> hopefully <laughs> uh, not for uh, a um, while yet but uh, I suppose time time does um bring a sense of healing and mm -hmm. um, but uh, you know I I, th I think I just have to accept I won't be over it and mm -hmm. um, that that just won't happen. But uh, there are so many things to 
look forward to, so many things to do. And you also think about what would Andrew have, have wanted me to do? And, you know, it, it's very easy. And I have a days when I've sat around the house and... Um, Moped. Moped. <laughs> yeah. And I have yeah. really done nothing. Maybe dozed off two or three times. Yeah. And I think if you doze off two or three times in the day, it's a sort of a negative sign. Yeah. And, and so, you know, for me, the I suppose um, being positive, doing things, getting on with the things that Andrew would have wanted me to do, um, being with you, helping to support you and, and, and the boys um, in whatever way we can and um, and other members of the family who are, who are, you know, this is hard for for all of us and hard for so many people. And, and you know, I just, I just think there have to be more positives than, than, than negatives going, yeah. going forward from here. Wesley, you have been so honest and uh, we both cried a little bit, but I yeah. really enjoyed um, listening and maybe it's slightly cathartic for you as well if you really haven't um, mm. talked about it lots. But thank you so much. I know you're a little bit apprehensive about doing it. So thank you so much for coming and doing it for me and speaking so honestly. Thank you, Ruth. Thank you. Thank you.